Reporting is Eligible is proudly supported by Appleton Coffee Company. They're a small local roaster in Appleton, Wisconsin, and I make a pot of their Packerland breakfast blend just about every morning. I also have a very large bag of the barrel-aged coffee that I enjoy on the weekends. If you go to appletoncoffee.com and use code RAE at checkout, you'll save yourself 10% and you will support the show. Once again, that's appletoncoffee.com, code RAE at checkout. Hey everybody, welcome to uh, Reporting is Eligible, Season 2, Episode 11. Um, we just finished, not just finished, last week, Thursday, finished crushing an Underman 49ers team and have a seriously Underman Jacksonville team coming up. Um, Matt as a lurker outside of his patio window that we've just decided is an umbrella, um, which he almost gets killed on the podcast every now and then. This one, fortunately, we were able to dispel. But uh, I guess I'll start with Matt since uh, since we had to go through that real quick. So. Woo! You get to go first on intros. We'll do JR last. So, who are you? Uh, my name is Matt, but you can call me Matub. Um, I'm uh, the meme smith, now meme weaver, meme weaver for Acme Packing Company, general Twitter rabble rouser. And I had a tweet go semi-viral recently. Right. So you, you did, did got you? that out of the way already. Nicely done. Um, and I guess we'll just knock it all out of the park first. Uh, Andy Schaff. And Ricky Jeez. Weeks. There we go. So it covers everything. I don't think we mentioned Ricky Weeks for a while on the pod. I haven't had an inside linebacker. It's been a, it's been a few a weeks. Bit. Yeah. Uh, no, we we yeah, I was like we made an inside linebacker joke. We did. But um, I made I made a, a pun about the new COVID treatment name, relating it to the song Black Betty. Mm-hmm. And I woke up this morning and that tweet had a quarter million views. <laughs> <laughs> that is quite good. Well done. I'm so bad at predicting whenever mine are going to go viral at all. It it just seems completely random to me. I had, I had a couple of really clever ones yesterday. And nobody cared. So clever doesn't work. Uh, yeah, I cared. Yeah, thank you, Matt. Appreciate that. Anyway, and also joining us out of order um, is... Hey, I'm J.R. Radcliffe, training sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. I definitely saw that tweet, the Bamba Lamb. Retweeted it, so I'm going to take a little bit of credit for that getting into the bloodstream. And uh, Jr., you were the second retweet, so like you were there on the I'm ground. I'm an floor. early adopter. Jr. was early adopter it was of the cool. Bamboo Lamb tweet. That's right. I also have no idea when any of my stupid tweets go viral. Occasionally, it just uh, it just happens. I got one of those blue check marks, so I have to be a little careful because the most random, random things <laughs> wind up wind up catching on i have no idea why i'm just baffled i i have this joke with with one of my colleagues kurt and we haven't brought it up in a while the uh, the mount rushmore of underappreciated tweets when we have something that we think is just really really good and no one gives a shit and we're just like that tweet is perfect no one loves it it is on the mount rushmore <laughs> of underappreciated tweets um I couldn't tell you what's on mine right now but, uh, are, but yes. are we all in agreement of what the single greatest tweet on the twitter.com is Probably not, but I know we've talked sure about not. the Joe Buck one a couple of times. Joe, is it Joe Buck, top of the 47. Well, I think that's the best tweet of all time. 
I will tell you I, what I have really enjoyed lately and that I'm mad that people didn't like my last version of is the Tom Brenneman, um, Nick, call, you know, retiring from using a racial slur or an anti-gay slur and then calling Nick Castellanos home run. I love it when people use that one. Um, and I, I used it for Tony La Russa. Um, did you see Tony La Russa's quotes today about what he told the cop when he got pulled over drunk driving, which was phenomenal. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Hall of Famer guy. Yeah. So, so <laughs> I'm a Hall of Famer guy is great. So I combined those two. I had Tony La Russa say, you know, I, I'm a Hall of Famer guy. Do you know who I am? I have a ring. And there's a drive into deep left and cast down. Anyway, um, nobody, li- <laughs> nobody liked that. So, um, you know, that's fine. I don't, I don't care. I liked it. Okay. It's been done so many it times has, now, including by myself. I'm a yeah. huge copy pasta guy. <laughs> Definitely done by myself. Um, I think both of the last times I did it, I, I got called out for copying somebody else, which I swear I didn't do, but I'm sure the last like, the time idea you just did isn't it, novel enough. Yeah, the last time you did it, Drew McGarry did it four hours after you. So, um, I don't, did, did you guys see? He, but he definitely did, he didn't see it from me. He's well, just no, like he I mean, just, it's just it was just an idea that made sense to exist. Yes, exactly. Did, did you guys see? I'm I made a political joke that was also a reference to Milwaukee Bucks basketball. No, that's really out of your wheelhouse. Nicely done. Yeah, I know. Super. Out of, so uh, CNN said. Uh, Melania Trump is among those telling Trump to concede. I quote tweeted that with a screenshot of the Eric Bledsoe tweet that says, I don't want to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Also very good. That's extremely good. Very, very well done. Nicely done. (laughs) But Tom, I'm so proud of you. (laughs) Thank you. That was like my, that was like my first, like, like really going outside of football to make a joke. And I was so proud of it. Can we move on from self-appreciation? We talk about the no, guys, let's like, talk about so how much. awesome I am for the next 45 <laughs> minutes. Let's <laughs> talk about how great our tweets are. Our tweets you are know, pretty Oh, awesome. my God, that one totally didn't go viral, but it shut up. You, you know what's awesome is Devontae <laughs> Adams. Devontae Adams is awesome. So awesome. He is. He's very he awesome. Is, he's uh, going to sensation. He's going to have 200 yards again this game. Um, basically, he's turned into the receiver that whenever the defense is a bad defense, he's just going to have like a monstrous, super huge game. Um, and you can kind of predict it with some regularity now. I think there's no player I'd rather have in fantasy against any kind of lesser defense than that guy. Uh, also, he does lead the league in share of targets um, for his team. He, he gets 38.8% of the Packers' targets, which is nobody else is even remotely close to that. Uh, right, but he also gets something like 70% of Rodgers' yards. So. He does. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it's not a bad idea. There's a reason <laughs> that that's happening and should continue to happen. He's he's incredible. This is really the year I think he's he's coming to his own in terms of his production matching up with his reputation. Um, highest graded PFF, super good. Um, still not great on DVOA, but way better than he usually is. And and he is the best in DR. Which for a player like Adams, um, that's the counting stat that Football Outsiders has, and it's better for a guy like him that soaks up targets and doesn't have a lot of guys to take pressure off of him. So um, good for Devonte. He's incredible. So did a sick. thing at jsonline.com asking the question because because it was asked afterwards do you feel like you're the best receiver in football and he said yeah kind of you know <laughs> yeah. he was he wasn't like wasn't like a, a prick about it but he was he was honest about it and 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 i think it, it was an interesting conversation and trying to look at it statistically i mean like you said there are a couple values that don't necessarily say unequivocally he is the guy but when you factor in the fact that he he is the number one option that honestly it's with Alan Lazard getting hurt. He is even increasingly the number one option in the past game. And he is still able to lead the league in yards per game. And um, you know, his, his catch percentage per per target might not be through the roof, but, but there are a lot of guys who are elite receivers who don't necessarily thrive in that category. 
you know, yards per target, yards per reception. Uh, he might not be at the top of the list. PFF loves him. Um, there are a lot of stats that favor him. A lot of the the, the yards per game stats and and everything like that. And um, you know what? I just watching rewatching this game. The thing that jumps out to me, and I don't even know if this is considered a skill in his in his favor, but I'm always amazed at how he's just always getting those last few yards. He sees the field after he's caught the ball so well. You know, he doesn't necessarily try to go. He doesn't necessarily try to extend the play beyond where it should, but he sees three tacklers in front of him, and he always seems to find that seam that gets those like last three or four yards. Yeah. You know, I'm he, always amazed. He, he's got the vision of a running back. Yeah, totally agree. He also he he moves like no other person. Uh, it's not just that he sees that mm-hmm. in space. He can like just change on a dime like no one else to get himself in position to take that space. Um, I, like I, I mean, can't think of another guy. He's to he's him. sneaky fast. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he he probably is the, the actually true definition of that. But like, is anybody better quick twitch wise at like just making his body go in a direction you don't even think is possible? Uh, I can't like I can't think of a good comparison Darius. for him. <laughs> Did you say Darius <laughs> Shepard? <laughs> I didn't say Darius. <laughs> Because that's that would be that's terrible. just the name you said out loud. Yeah. <laughs> um, you had one Devontae, play right along the sideline where he just juked a couple guys out, and I mean it didn't go anywhere. But you're like, <laughs> what's he gonna do here? Because he yeah. is so so good. Two guys right in his face, and he could still stay away from them. Yeah, he does. He does lead the league in yards per route run, so that's a good indicator. One of the counting stats he's good at um, that I've not really held against him, but kind of discounted a little bit is his ability to score touchdowns, because. Mm-hmm. I did feel like in his early days, um, Rodgers did sort of force a lot of short, easy touchdowns to him. But it's so consistent. His, and his ability to get open in small space is so unique that I think for him, it actually is a real skill versus a lot of other guys who just soak up close in targets. Uh, I, I don't know that there's a better receiver within five yards of the goal line th- than that guy. And t- totally against prototype. Like usually, you think of big, tall guys there um, that can kind of post up and box people out because space um, is it's such a premium. Uh, and he's just incredible at just wiggling himself and and creating that little amount of space that he needs to score. So he's great. It's a done deal on the goal line. I was blown away when Rodgers threw a touchdown pass on on whatever with in goal to go and it was marquez Valdez scantling on the other end of it making the sliding catch like oh Devante, another oh it's not it's somebody else that's crazy so speaking of counting stats and mvs two touchdowns in that game it was a deep ball baby such an mvs game um i would say (laughs) if mvs is going to show up this is the prototypical mvs game he got half his targets one of them was a deep ball had at least one terrible drop and it scored two touchdowns the the, the non-long touchdown, I think, was actually a really nice play by MVS. Um, that, that was actually yes. a real rece- a real grown-up receiver play. <laughs> um, but the uh, play Jamal Williams scored on against the Chiefs last year, they've, isn't it? I mean, they've had they they run that route a lot with Rodgers. Yeah, they do. Um, but he actually he actually held on, and you know, good for MVS. At least he showed up and offered something else, even if it was just two catches in the grand scheme of things. That deep ball was beautiful, and. Um, and nice, nice to have Rogers kind of go back to him too after I think an early drop on that one, but he's still he's, was that he's still not good. <laughs> I swear, I, yeah, he's not. I, I swear, I saw that was like the longest air yards pass in the NFL so far this season. Is that true? It, it was there was there. I, I it was Rogers threw at some. It was either this game or last. He threw a pass that was sixty point two yards in the air, huh. and I and I like like from release to catch. And I swear it was that one. 
I feel like Josh Allen's got to have one a little bit further. But uh, uh, the the second was Mahomes, and his was like fifty eight. Yeah, I feel like Mahomes does that. Like I every swear game, that, but it might, I mean, maybe so. It, it was very deep, <laughs> so very possibly. Um, I actually kind of thought maybe Jacksonville had one deeper than that in their last game, but maybe not. Uh, alas. Um, I'm, right. I'm bringing up next-gen stats. You bring up next-gen stats and look at that. Um, Valda so, Scantling just toasted the safety on that deep ball. I mean, just, just disastrous defense from the 49ers. I mean, that's kind of the question you got to ask with this game with all those guys going out and – you know, they forced turnovers because they were able to get to the quarterback because Trent Williams isn't in the game with the with the COVID protocols. They had nobody, nobody, nobody. And, and so, like, there's still chunk plays that they gave up. It wasn't I don't know. I didn't come away feeling great about it. But uh, but, you know, they did. They did do what they should have done. They overwhelmed a lesser team talent wise. They, they they did do it. So I don't even know. It's hard to really get a read on where you where it's an important win, even if it even if it doesn't feel as important as it probably is. Yeah, they did what they were supposed to do, but they didn't like fix any of the problems we know about at all. Like the receivers still didn't catch many passes. Um, uh, like the tight end, Mercedes Lewis and Jay Sternberger combined for two catches for two yards and a touchdown. It was just all Adams, and like we know that they can dominate a lesser team by hitting Adams over and over again. And it doesn't tell you anything about if a team manages to take Adams away. Like it's still MBS catching half his passes, nobody else getting targets, and. So there's that, and then on the de- on defense, like they played a nice game, but there was there was literally nobody on the San Francisco offense. It was very much like watching them play against a college team. Like um, even before the, I thought so. For, for, by the way, uh, on SB Nation, we all pick games on a big aggregator site called Tally Site. I think I was the only person in the country on Tally Site to pick the 49ers in this game, and not that they would have won, but I made my picks before the COVID list came out, so I thought they would have Williams and Ayuk in this game, and I think that would have made a big difference, though. Obviously, the Packers stomped them to death, so probably not that big of a difference, but they they, they had literally nobody good, and um, a lot of people on the defense who are not great had much better games playing against you know third-tier NFL players, but that's what you would expect. So I don't know that we can take too much away. Um, I'll say one weird thing about this game is after not playing at all against um, the Vikings and having the Vikings run the ball down our throat, Montrevious Adams played 26 snaps in this game and had a pretty good game. So, He's everywhere. Um, he was. Um, and, yeah, sure, all those caveats apply, but would have been nice to see him last week. <laughs> what did he do to get himself on the field this week? Um, I guess maybe just be a backup is the answer when you're up by 30, but... Um, there, there were a lot of guys who had good performances. Thought Preston rebounded halfway decently. Um, Zedarius had a sack and seemed his normal self. Um, but again, can't say too much. Uh, that w- th- that one receiver, that one San Francisco receiver, had a pretty good game, but it was all garbage time. So even that's not that big of a deal. Jair wasn't even on him really for those. Um, but I, I just don't think we can learn too much. Uh, the only thing I can really take away from this is I was a big fan of. Oh, go ahead. Was it? I saw a tweet. It was like, it was like, I was really upset about that touchdown they just gave up until I realized I'd never heard that guy's name before. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, on the Packers, right? It was like that was, was a that was a classic bad yeah. beat though. <laughs> it was. Um, talking about the last touchdown of the game yes. with five seconds left. Yeah, was it was it black? No, the, the classic. Okay. Yeah, I think so. But uh, Jarek McKinnon, I think that was a rushing touchdown. But there was the uh, the the one before that was a passing touchdown. That was like. 
third string corner that no one had ever heard of gave it up like like oh man i can't oh who is that like Which, yeah Par- parsons oh my gosh i've already forgotten his name he's elevated again this week too <laughs> he is, he is. Uh, drawing a massive blank i just watched it is he, does he wear like 41 uh, uh there were so many if, if, you're, if you're 40 if you're number 41 and you're playing corner you suck that is the Aaron like Rodgers rule corner, right? That's uh, that's the yeah, rule. nobody in on defense at the end. The poor guy. Like I yeah. felt, I felt a little bad for him. And he got. It's the same guy who got the uh, the penalty on the hit to the helmet that could have ended the final drive, but wound up uh, wound up prolonging it a little bit. Which oh, is stupid. You can't <laughs> you can't penalize a defender who's going after a ducking yeah, offensive player. That's just rude. Um, Henry Black. Right? Oh, okay. Henry Black. But that's not who I was thinking of. That's not the guy. Who got hit with the uh, with the penalty? Okay, Henry Black. Um, is Henry Black. 41, it, okay, was... so Stanford Stanford Samuels is who I was thinking of, but Henry Black oh, is the guy Samuels. who fell down trying to stop the the passing touchdown. <laughs> Good times. The, I think the one thing I do take away from this game a little bit is Darnell Savage had a bad game, and you can't hit, you can't have a bad game against the San Francisco third string. That's mm-hmm. he might he might be bad. Um, we we have a good amount of evidence that he might be a bad player. Why was he so good as a rookie compared to now? I'm not sure he was that good as a rookie. He was fast he, and he had one good game. I, I should rephrase. He was not overtly terrible as a rookie. Yeah. Um he, he wasn't, but he wasn't that good either and he did get out of position a lot and he got hurt a lot and uh. he's kind of undersized. So, um I I won't be surprised if they start looking at other safeties for him. In fact, so Raven was great, so I I know they need more. Well, Ra- Raven's pick came off of Preston Smith actually doing a thing. Yep, a beautiful combination. Do do we credit Preston Smith as doing a thing, or was he also bad? He got matched up with School, the uh, the replacement for Trent Williams, yeah. and that helped. Yeah, helped quite a bit. So he was good. He, he did not have a tough assignment, but I think he did play a good game uh, um, against the run as well. He was he was fine. I, okay, so during the game, I thought Savage was being credited as having. I, I didn't watch him on a rewatch or anything. What uh, I, I know, he dropped a pick that was kind of in his arms, he but did. I, I thought he was being credited with having a pretty good game. So what? Uh, what wasn't? What, what were? What didn't I see with him? Um, so I, I watched it again as much as I I could, and he dropped a pick. Um, he he got out of position a few times where it ended up not mattering, but on. Um, especially when we got closer to garbage time, a, a lot of their big plays to, I should I should actually look up their one good receiver's name and credit him because I have totally forgotten it by now. <laughs> Ford. Um, is that right? Is it Ford? Jimmy Ford? Isn't it Jimmy Ford? I don't know. Is it? It's so bad. It just shows <laughs> shows our engagement in this game. Well, also, the fact I it was it names. was Thursday. It's not. It was a long time ago. And I could name all the 49ers starters, just not their like third stringers. If you had told me the guy, the J- quarterback's name is Nick Mullins, I would have had to really think about whether that first name is correct. There. <laughs> uh, Richie James is the guy who had the good game for them. Right. Um, and he, he was he was getting. Savage turned around, and Savage was missing um, tackles in run support too, which not necessarily his, the, his first job, but he is kind of supposed to be the all over the field guy, cleaning up messes, um, and took the wrong holes quite a few times, and does that a lot. So that's what, like it wasn't a catastrophic game by any means. I mean, nobody really beat them deep or anything like that in any situations that mattered. But he, you know, it would have been a, a it was an opportunity to shine, and he played a fundamentally unsound game so not great so i have an answer on the air yards it Uh, is the longest completed air yard touchdown oh okay 
it it was the fifth longest pass so far this year in terms of completed air yards. All right, there you go. So there you go. Some longer, but not a ton. Um, yes. All right. So I, I don't know that we have too much more to say on this game. Um, you know, uh, it was a it was a fun old stompathon. I'll take a team out to the woodshed game, um, and nice to get those <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> I have one thing. Yeah. I can't believe this game was played. Oh, that's a good Thursday. Yeah. They, they... You know, we to bring up baseball, the one thing we learn from baseball is it doesn't matter what the roster rules are or how you negotiate things so that you're covered in case people come down with COVID. What we learned is when one or two people have COVID, there's a pretty good chance a ton of people have COVID. Yep. And you have to shut it down. You have to take precautions. And I know that obviously money comes into play here. The deal with with the network with Fox or who, two airs Thursday Night Football, right? Fox. Yeah. Um, um, I, I'm sure that all plays into it. We've lost a Thursday night game earlier this year, but I mean, not only is the product already suffering because Thursday Night Football is is a trash fire, but the product is going to suffer a whole lot more if you're going to put two teams with with COVID cases lurking around, as we saw because Green Bay had uh, Chris, Barnes Chris Barnes testing tested. positive. After the game, game with COVID, which is and and so suspicious because Kamal Martin was one of the the tester or the the proximity positives that missed that game. He plays the same position, is in the same you know rooms doing film study when they're in proximity to each other. It would make we don't know for sure this happened, but if um, Barnes caught it from Martin, that would make a lot of sense. And mm-hmm. vice versa, for and, all we know, and vice versa, quite possibly vice versa. It seems like a very irresponsible thing to have played that game. And also, had they given the 49ers, you know, a reschedule till Monday or Tuesday, they would have gotten a much more competitive and compelling game out of it, too. They would have gotten at least a few players back. And, yeah, it uh, the Packers would have still been heavy favorites and maybe would have... Well, they had Aaron Jones in this game. He had a nice bounce-back game. Forgot about that. Um, but... Uh, they would have gotten a better quality product out of it, which the NFL kind of lacked this weekend, to be honest. <laughs> uh, the Jets yeah. and Patriots game was fun and all, but you know, not uh, not quality. I listened to a podcast with uh, James Andrew Miller and Richard Deitch, and they were discussing the future of Thursday Night Football. If because players hate it, understandably, you know, you get three days to prepare. You know, guys are still hurt. You get situations where the quality is not good. It's gotten to a point where the schedule makers, you know, they're doing the best they can, but the quality of the matchup is frequently terrible. And the Green Bay San Francisco game is a rare example of a Thursday night game that you could actually circle as pretty compelling. And then on top of it, it comes to the point where the election is still in the balance, the uh, presidential election. So a lot of eyeballs are on that, are on cable news. Was the, the, I can't imagine the ratings would have been a difference maker for anybody involved here to have rather than not just bump this game till Monday. I can't imagine it was one of those immovable objects here to the point that they would be willing to risk the health of and the and the product. Like screw the, I, I get that they don't really care about the health of the players. It is yep. about the product. Yep. How could they not make that assessment that your product is at risk if you're putting two? Obviously, San Francisco is already decimated. Green Bay is a team that a lot of people follow. It's one of the the flagship programs in the NFL. How can you want to put their season in jeopardy just because you don't want to move a game from Thursday to Monday night? You have to be supremely flexible right now. And we've been they've been flexible before. They've moved other Thursday night games before. I I, I really don't understand it. I I don't I cannot imagine a explanation that justifies nah. 
with both teams dealing with this shit and that they that, that, that they would feel like, oh, we could still do this. We could still give this a shot. Four days is just not a big sacrifice. It's really not. It, it strikes me as a big lack of creativity on their part, too. Like, they don't normally get to play games. Not that you'd want to do this, but uh, I think they would also have leeway to play games on, like, Friday, Saturday. They've already played them on Tuesday. Um they should be seizing opportunities when they get cancellations to move games to, to times when they normally wouldn't and try those out, like get some testing done, um, see what works better. There's no reason they can't be doing Like you can always turn negatives into positives, especially schedule wise, especially when they, when you are the NFL and there's laws against you playing up against college football and high school football for a lot of the year. Um, that's not going to be enforced as much this year if they have cancellations. Um, just be smart about this. Uh, you, you don't have to have a game on Thursday. Move it to some other time that people are going to watch a lot of. Figure out when buys are. Pop one in there randomly when when there would normally have been a buy because now there's a buy this week. Like whatever. That uh, baseball, I don't think was creative enough with their scheduling. Football should have been way more creative with their scheduling. Matt's laughing at me. Paul, you okay? So, so on our end, you froze up for your entire rant. We missed all of it. Oh, <laughs> all right. Well, you guys, this is like one of those tweet storms where, where you know, Twitter goes down and Paul comes back after Twitter goes down, and there's like two two tweets, and he's indicated that it's like no, tweet number one fifty of of one fifty two, and he's finishing this elaborate point. My f- that's what we just experienced in real life. <laughs> My favorite Twitter joke to do. I love it when Twitter goes down for that reason. Oh, well, it'll be a surprise <laughs> for you guys, too. <laughs> oh, we have no idea what you just said, but I'm sure it was good. And it's it recording great. on your end, so, so we, we know that the it. listeners are getting the full the full brunt of it. <laughs> that's hilarious. So to be, to be less serious, uh, Thursday also involves <laughs> Amazon. Serious. People forget that. True. That's a good um, point. So Jeff, oh, yeah. Jeff Bezos money is is also on oh, the line if you move it from Thursday. Probably played a lot into that, actually. So there you go. I just feel like the NFL, if if for no other reason, be selfish, protect your damn product. You know, like you can't you can't have Aaron Rodgers getting COVID nineteen. You can't have it. Protect nope. the shield. <laughs> <laughs> um. Obviously, that's that. It can be selfish. It's also obviously the moral right thing to do if you've got two teams with COVID things, you know, swirling around them. You've got to move the game. You have to. This is a freaking pandemic. This is not a time to adhere to whatever the old model is. You nope. can't do that right now. You cannot. It's ridiculous. And you know, um, before the season started, um, Arkan and I did a podcast completely on COVID, and our conclusion was the NFL will. They're not doing a bubble. They will be impacted by it, and they'll just power through because they're the NFL. And that is exactly 100% what they've decided to do. They're just, mm-hmm. They have COVID pop up. They, they are moving things minimally, and they're just going to power through this pandemic and health of the players and quality of the product be damned. So. I remember early season, maybe before the season, there was a prop bet as to whether or not an NFL coach would die. <laughs> My God. Because... NFL coaches are almost exclusively high risk. Um, I mean, if Andy Reid gets COVID, do you think that dude's coming morbid. out of it? <laughs> I'm just saying, like, people in Vegas will bet on anything. I, I actually do. Sure, because they've had no sports for four months, and they yeah. are they are into a very weird shit now. Yeah. Was it die of – so this is much too morbid, but was it die of COVID? Because I actually think it is illegal to have um, a wagerable event on someone's death. Um for obvious reasons, I'm because it's a, I'm not sure it's about the exact wording, <laughs> but it was, but it was basically like 
a coach would not make it through the season okay. due to COVID complications. Well, that's just evil. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. All of it's meaningless. Eat at Arby's. Yep. <laughs> Eat Arby's. Yeah. Right. Should we talk about the, the very exciting <laughs> Paul, Jacksonville Jaguars instead of the very exciting San Francisco? Before we move on, pe- people need to know that Paul did lit- literally put a nihilist Arby's joke in the show notes. Yeah. Well, I am just reading off the show notes. Yeah. That's why. That's why they're there, and that game is meaningless. So just like life, eat at Arby's. I've had a well, this few Jacksonville game is meaningless games. Yeah, this is not. I don't even know what are the Packers going to look like when they face Indianapolis. Are they? We won't know if they're good. They're, they're going to get a bunch smoked. In a row, it's going to. It's going to be a massacre. Yeah, the show's going to be a lot different. Aaron Rodgers is going to get beat up. Indianapolis is legitimately good. Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan actually, Taylor's going to run for a thousand yards. He's his job's actually a little in jeopardy. He, he keeps fumbling just like he did at Wisconsin. What's a bigger deal in the NFL? He did it last week and. Uh, He's been sat down a little bit more, and he's a tough one to trust right now. So, um, but it doesn't matter. Zeke, <laughs> Zeke is paid eight billion dollars to fumble, so that's a different story. Uh, but uh, the, Indianapolis is good on defense. It's going to be the best defense they face since Tampa Bay, and we know how that went. So that game is interesting. This game, <laughs> this game is not interesting. Jacksonville is thirty second in DVOA against pass offenses. Um, <laughs> That's real bad. Worse than the Jets who aren't even trying. Worse than, you know, it's it's actually incredible. Uh, if you dig into their splits, it's even more incredible because they're not even that bad against number one and number two receivers. They're just bad against everybody else. Um, you spread them out. You throw to tight ends. You throw to third and fourth and fifth wide receivers. You'll tear them up. Now, um, they're also not great against one, so Devontae will also still tear them up. But they're a travesty on defense, and they're like um, – like the 49ers are missing their starting quarterback. The Their starting quarterback is um, 2018 sixth-round pick Gardner Minshew. Uh, their backup quarterback is 2019, like a 2020 draft, sixth-round pick Jake Luton. They should probably pick a quarterback higher than that at some point, although they are both better than Blake Bortles. So uh, maybe not. Uh, <laughs> so interesting they tried, fact, Paul. Interesting fact about Jake Luton, he is a terrible athlete, even at the quarterback position. <laughs> uh, he is. His RAS score is two. Um, <laughs> you, don't, you, don't, he has a, you don't see too he has many a 28-inch vertical. around. <laughs> a 28-inch vertical. I am 90% sure I can do better than a 28-inch vertical after eating lunch. We spent a lot of the day on Acme Packing Company deciding who was better at various athletic feats than Jake Luton is. Um so he's I, I did a lot of research on him this week because he's gonna play. <laughs> um and he's he had a good game last week against Houston, who has also a bad defense in his first ever game and over three hundred yards passing a touchdown, also threw an interception. And his college tape's not too bad. He he actually has a pretty good arm. Usually when you get guys late in the draft, they're usually smart guys with bad arms. That's kind of the prototypical like late round pick. That's what Gardner Minshew is. Uh, you know, like like uh, Packard quarterback, backup quarterbacks. Like Matt Flynn is like that, and his arm used to be better before he wrecked it. But Scott Tolzien, you know, that kind of guy. His arm is awful. It's not an NFL arm. That's why he throws eight million interceptions whenever he plays. Um, Jake Luton's arm is good, and usually when you get a, a strong armed guy that late in the draft, they're just trash at throwing accurately. Like they're super bad at that. He's not too bad. It's not like he. I could see why you'd pick him. He's he's like an interesting prospect, but. Uh, so he played at Oregon State, and he was called on to check down a lot. They, he was good on deep passing when he was allowed to do it. 
but they ran a very conservative offense. They did not want to turn the ball over. He only had three picks against 28 touchdowns his uh, senior season. But, uh, man, his footwork's a mess, and he was not a good short passer. For a guy who only threw short, uh, he completed 62% of his passes. That is atrocious in college football. <laughs> so um, you saw that a little bit last week, too. If you can make him throw underneath, um, he will throw you a couple of picks. And even if – I mean, he's a sixth-round pick. In his second start, he's not scary at all. But uh, the only way you possibly get beat by him is if you give up a whole bunch of deep ball, balls. If you – if you just make them throw underneath, they'll destroy this team handily, um, and it'll be fun. Um, he does have good receivers to throw to, though, too. So that's uh, they're not helpless. They're just not very good. <laughs> they're not helpless. Yeah, they're not helpless. So who who should scare the Packers on Jacksonville? Um, so DJ Chark is an actual good receiver. Um, he's had a down year by DVOA standards, but he was a top five receiver last year by them, and. Uh, he is a legitimately great deep threat. Um, very, very, very good receiver. One of the top 10 in the league for sure. Um, they're a good deep, generally speaking. They're, um, oh shoot, I mixed up their second. So they're, I just mixed up in my head their second receiver with Nicole Hardman, but that's not right at all. Um, <laughs> um, their other receiver is a tiny little deep threat guy too. Um, the other guy that they have um, is LaVisca Chenault, who a lot of people wanted the Packers to draft and who is kind of a... Mm. Debo Samuel slot guy over the middle type receiver. Um, and he's been hurt for part of the season and hasn't frankly been very good. Though it's hard to separate the Jacksonville receiver um, performances from Gardner. And Gardner's not had a good season. So um, let me, I'm just going to look up. What, Chris Conley? Keelan Cole, sorry. Keelan Cole is oh, okay. is just a burner. He's kind of he's he's in the MVS category. He's not tall like him, but he, he just runs nine routes and he catches slightly more of them than MVS, and that's kind of all he does. So um it Jair should be able to eliminate Shark pretty easily. And, and after that, it's just not getting beat by underneath guys. Um and since their quarterback can't really throw to underneath guys, should be fine. Um, should should just be a, a complete destruction as as you know you would expect. They're they're not a great team. After their their top guys, they're just not that good. Uh, we don't know if Jair Alexander's going to play, do we? That's right. He uh, what do you get concussion? He had a concussion. Yeah. He took himself out actually. I forgot about that. That does change things a little bit if he can't go. I've I've been assuming he's going to. I feel like the concussion protocol updates, um, injury report wise, are not as robust as the the normal type of injury updates are, and I have no idea what his status is. Um, if and I actually haven't checked on King either, so um, <laughs> there is that to consider. They might my, not have any corners. My level of apathy this week is so high. Yep. Uh, I mean, they should win no matter what. Frankly, <laughs> hey, do you guys do you guys know the the difference between ignorance and apathy? Uh, nope. I, I don't know, and I don't care. Uh, ha, ha. Uh, uh, beer, that's beer. a great, great dad, um, um, great dad joke. <laughs> well done. You you win. <laughs> Here we go. Yes, I like, uh, the, I like the 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 Saurus line. Better yeah, the, than that one, this, you know what's funny is I I did get a bunch of really good dad jokes that week, so that it really worked to my advantage. All right, well done. <laughs> to deploy yeah, so on this podcast. so Jacksonville, we're predicting a another blowout win. Yes, yes. There is no reason to think that the Packers won't just blow the doors off them. Um, their normal game plan should work. Matt doesn't have to be tricky about drawing up anything crazy. Um, if they want to leave on, lean on Devontae, that's fine. If they want to run the ball a bunch, bunch, that's also fine. If they want to feature Bob Tanyan, 
that'll work. Um, honestly, if you wanted to have Malik Taylor be the focus of the offense, that would probably work too. So they should be. This should be an easy blowout win. Jacksonville's really bad. One of the worst teams in the league. Definitely in the Trevor Lawrence um, bowl right now, along with you know a few other teams. Um, the line is Packers minus thirteen and a half. Yep, that's totally totally legit. Ooh. I mean, when the Packers Ooh. when the Packers win, they blow people out, and this looks like a team very similar to the ones that they have flown out. So I'm uh, I'm fine. They should they should be all over that spread. No problem at all. Really, easy, easy. you're you're taking the Packers to cover at fourteen? Yeah. This team's bad. They're, they'll win by three touchdowns. Uh, Odd Shark has the predicted score forty to eleven. That eleven is bold. Should have Lazard. Well, it's eleven oh, points. Yeah. It's eleven Actually, point they, six. So that's. They don't need to have Lazard back. I don't think. I think they can still activate him for the next game. Uh, that would be within the twenty-one day window of him returning to practice. Yeah. But I'll be curious to know what they do with him, and I'll be curious with Bakhtiari. Obviously, he's missed three games and. The lines, the line is getting a little beat up here, so uh, it'd be nice if they can they can get healthy. It would, although they haven't suffered. They've been fantastic by like every metric. Uh, the, I don't. Lucas know. Patrick, baby. Every, Lucas Patrick's been good. Everybody on that line's been good. It's incredible that whoever like the way that they pick linemen is just off the charts. Great. It's definitely like the best Packer coaching spot, scouting spot that exists. They don't lose anything, no matter what. It's hard to ever question them on anything. Like John Runyon? John Runyon, <laughs> John the fu- future starting guard for this Green Bay Packers team? <laughs> and I remember when he was picked, I was like, that guy's probably awesome. I have, I have no, I don't know, if, <laughs> I don't know anything about him. I, I don't know. I haven't seen his Raz. That guy's probably great. And yeah, he looks like he, he might be. You're like that scene in A Knight's Tale. You're like, if I knew nothing else about you, that would be enough. The Packers picked you in the late round. That would be enough. <laughs> Pretty much. I actually, I hope Lazard does play uh, in this game. I know he's close to coming back and has been for a while. Um, it would be a good tune-up game for him. He's, it's, it shouldn't be very demanding. <laughs> um, a tune-up game. Well, Indianapolis is the real deal. So, um, yeah. That's, I want him. Which is funny because Indy, the Indy uh, Tennessee line is Tennessee by two this week. So. Tennessee's favored in that game. Ten, yeah, Tennessee by two That's with fifty nine percent of bets going to Tennessee. Huh. I'm I'm very surprised that by game, that. Isn't that game in Lucas Oil? Where's that game being played? Nissan. Oh, okay. Still, I, I, Tennessee's a fine team, uh, and Tanny's been great um, pretty much all year now. But um, I don't, Indianapolis is is very very good. One of the few defensive juggernauts in the in the league. So I, I don't get that. That seems. Seems like a mess. Uh, Tennessee. Tennessee uh, leads them in average score, average rushing yards, total number of plays, and yards per play. Okay. So, but they also people are looking at it as, yeah, but they're they're looking at it as Tennessee's offense is good enough. I guess. I guess so. Yeah. Well, before we go to questions, Paul, you wanted to point out that the best quarterback in Jacksonville history and the best tight end are both (laughs) both Packers greats. (laughs) That is correct. Um. So. If you use um, a football, pro football references average value stat, which is just a, a pretty simple value stat that they run for every single player in football, it's not a great stat. It, it minutes are heavily involved, but it's it's kind of the best we have for position versus position. Um, the best quarter, and in this it checks out here. The best quarterback in Jacksonville history is Mark Brunel. 
um, you, you know, for, former Packer great when they had all of the great backup quarterbacks all at once. And yeah. it's kind of sad. He was their first. Hi, Detmer, Aaron <laughs> Brooks, Mark Brunel. Uh, Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner, Matt Hasselbeck. Oh, Good what might have been? What might have been? Peterson. Um, but he, he was their first quarterback. And it's weird to have your franchise's first quarterback be their best quarterback ever after this much time. <laughs> well, hey, think about prior to Watson. Do you think Carr was the best quarterback in Texans? Sure. No, I don't think so. I think it was. It wasn't a good player. I think it was probably Schaub, actually. <laughs> um, oh God, uh, Schaub wasn't terrible for he, that one short stretch. Was, I guess he was okay, but that's a good point. Um, but they're also much newer than the Jaguars are. They're <laughs> significant, yeah. significantly newer. The Jaguars have had quite a bit of time to find somebody else. They've had a few number one draft picks, and uh, you know, also Byron Leftwich, not a terrible quarterback, just not quite as good as Mark. So. <laughs> Um, hey, speaking of by the way, Packers the legends, the tight end by the uh, way was Mercedes. Mercedes is the best tight end in um, the history of the Jaguars. So I believe the Packers have had the well, yeah, his it. Uh, I think I think the Packers have had on their roster the two best tight ends from the the both expansion teams from that year because I think Wesley Walls is also the best uh, Panther tight end ever. So um, <laughs> they uh, they just eat up the expansion. Um, is Jimmy Graham the best Saints tight end ever? Probably not. Hmm. Probably yeah. is, I would think. Also, Jimmy Graham was not a tight end. It's a big wide if you receiver. recall correctly. Didn't he lose? No, his... do, you, do you guys the I thought he lost the franchise the, tag. I thought thing? he lost the franchise tag argument. Um he did, but it changed the way franchise tags were done for tight ends. Well, okay, but he, he was... was arguing he was a slot receiver, but yeah, he he helped set precedent. But he he wanted to be called a pass catcher. Yep. Keith Jackson's probably the best <laughs> Eagle tight end of all time. Um, Keith Jackson. <laughs> so there's probably quite a few of those. Um, Who's the uh, best Packer tight end of all time? Chamura? B- Bubba Franks. It's not Chamura. <laughs> Chamura is not, like, if you go look at his numbers, he wasn't actually that good. Um, uh, tough when Mercedes Lewis was that wide open for a touchdown, Bubba Franks was the name that popped. In fact, I tweeted it Bubba Franks. <laughs> like, that's the name that immediately popped into my head. Dude, open for a two yard touchdown. Yep, that's Bubba. Right, I'm going to run this after because if it's Jamar, I'll be mad. It's probably actually Jermichael Finley, but you have to do some adjusting for, you know, amount of games played and play that much. Yeah, all that stuff. I'll take Keith Jackson over Chimura any day of the week. I don't care if he only played one year. I'm, I'm not going to go there. Ed West, let's say him. <laughs> so um <laughs> the toolbox a Packer, packers legend jt o'sullivan uh currently runs a youtube channel called the qb school highly recommend it it's a great way to learn how to watch film um after rogers threw that insane fourth down to Devonte on the out route uh he just tweeted lol because <laughs> like what do you do it that? was good coverage yep. it's it, you shouldn't have thrown that pass but he did it anyway it was it was just a great everything um and i and i quote tweeted him i said packers legend jt o'sullivan <laughs> reacting to rock fourth down he goes and he hits me back he goes i'm a legend in my own mind <laughs> that's probably the best place for him to to remain a legend <laughs> all right all right let's, let's do questions let's do questions while i try to quickly look up uh the best tight end who the best history. tight end in packers history is yeah. it's gonna be somebody who wound up with a bigger career somewhere else to, to keep the theme intact here <laughs> probably um, so all right, so starting with the Patreon subscribers, Saleta, Asaleta, M. Asilatam, Metallica backwards, a, a frequent questioner to the baseball pod. 
How did I not see that? That's Metallica backwards. How did I? He not even see he even has the capital M and a capital A. Like I don't. <laughs> right, I'm thinking. Okay, so his first name is Asileta, and the M is yeah. I'm an idiot. Asilatam. Question plus a follow up. What can Petten do in the remaining games? We haven't talked about Petten to justify him as defensive coordinator in 2021. If the answer is nothing or perform a miracle and he is still DC in 2021, what does this say about Lafleur and Goody? So I think what he's asking is if we're gonna if if the Packers are gonna replace him at the end of the season, what are they doing with him right now? Um, so I think to to Ernest, first of all, I think that he is not liked by Lafleur, and and this is going to be a fight kind of no matter what he does after the season or d- during the rest of the season. Um, and it would be nice if he improved, but uh, I do think just the fact that they play some not-so-great offenses going forward will probably be enough to keep him employed, which is not my favorite thing ever. But teams aren't always good at parsing that out, and I suspect that the Packer defense will look a lot better in the second half of the season than in the first half of the season just because they, they get the Bears twice. So, you know, you get to have the defense show off against the Bears twice, and that helps make Petten look good. Um, You're going to get a Jaguars offense led by Jake Luton this week. The defense is probably going to look a lot better than they normally do. Uh, You got the Eagles. They've been struggling a ton. Um, The Lions have been terrible. Um, Stafford has in the... That's not for a while. He'll probably be fine by then. But, you know, not a great offensive team, just good. Um, It's just not a good schedule down the stretch, and I don't think that Petten has to do very much to keep his job because I think that the league's going to do it for him. Um, Now, if they get embarrassed in the playoffs again, which, you know, always a possibility with Petten, and given the playoffs teams that will be there, somewhat likely, that might be enough to get him fired. Um, So I think what he really needs to do is... Thanks, Matt. It is <laughs> shut down some teams in the playoffs that you don't expect him to shut down. Um, but uh, in terms of like him having to do a ton of turnaround for the rest of the season, there's some garbage offenses. He's going to be, I think, fine going into the playoffs. It's going to be all playoffs for Patton. That's that's kind of it. Playoffs. Playoffs. <laughs> like so the the Mora. best best Packers tight end of all time, Paul Kaufman, Paul according Kaufman. to. AV. AV, He has an AV of 40. Second best tight end, according to AV, is Ron Kramer. Um, Played from 57 to 64. His AV is 33. Third best, Jermichael Finley. uh, AV of 29. So I do have Carol Dale as number one on the report that I ran, but I don't think he was technically a tight end. Um, He has 65 AV if you want to count him. He, Carol Dale doesn't show up on the receiving stats. That's where I looked. I looked uh, Packers all-time receiving leaders sorted by AV. So I did a stat um, report for um, all Packers with 50, t- Packer tight ends with 50 catches sorted by AV. It's weird we get different stuff for that. Um, let's see. Yeah, he, he, so his position's officially <laughs> on, on, the, on the site are wide receiver, tight end, and F, FL, flanker? Is that flanker? Um, I don't know what that... Flanker, old, yes, old, FL. Old, old-timey <laughs> thing. So, yeah. Uh, I got Carol Dale, Paul Kaufman, Ron Kramer, and Jermichael Finley on showing up on mine. Yeah, so Dale doesn't even show up on mine. Huh. So okay. uh, Brett Favre does, though. Well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense uh, because of his one his, his one, one reception. Yeah. I don't know why they do that on that site. They always um, have a few random tight ends that aren't tight ends on there. It's very annoying. It makes it hard to sort. But what it's, are you going to do? It, it's because the, the three yards in a cloud of dust football yeah. is very different than the football they played today. It is. So Chewy's either fifth or sixth by this. Um, so. 
not that high. And right there with Bubba. Right, good job, Bubba. <laughs> good job. <laughs> well, uh, I don't like Chimura, so I don't want him to be good. Chimura sucks. All right, let's do as uh, a person. Yep, <laughs> exactly. PJ Wessels or Vessels. A win in the NFL. <laughs> a win in the NFL is a win in the NFL. So hooray for winning. But are all games going forward to have to be considered shootouts because our defense can't hold, or is there a chance for a margin similar to this last game at some point? Uh, well, this, this week. I think we said the Jacksonville game. Yeah. <laughs> right now. Right now is when they'll have another margin like this. So I think. With the Carolina game? Mm. Um, Carolina, not a good defense. Detroit, not a good defense. Yeah, you'll see this a few more times. Um, Philadelphia's defense is actually okay. I don't think they'll blow them out of the water um, on offense, but um, yeah, you'll, you'll have a few. Tennessee's defense is also not good. That'll be a that will be a real shootout, and that'll be a fun one. I'm looking forward to that game. I'm glad it's a night game. Um, so yeah, you'll you'll have it. The Packer offense is for real. You know, it has some weaknesses that can be stopped if you can shut down Devontae. But Lazard is also coming back. That helps a ton when you have that just one additional receiver. And so, yeah, they'll, they'll have a few more beatdowns over the second half. We'll still have some nice, relaxing, chill games that don't come down to the last couple minutes. It should be fine. We know the Bears games will, will I mean, certainly their defense is good, so they probably won't be shootouts or anything. But but the Bears have sort of revealed themselves. They're, they're finally losing the games that they should lose as yes. opposed to early in the season. So, I mean, the Packers should absolutely beat the Bears they twice. Should. The Bears right? The Bears are who we thought they were. They are. They're frauds, <laughs> and they're finally showing their fraudulent nature to the world. Yeah, they should win the, both of those games. You, you can't ever say anything for sure. We saw the Vikings, you know, surprise us. But, but yes, the Bears are terrible, just terrible. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. And um, given there's an extra playoff team this year, that's kind of amazing. If I had to, if I had to bet, if I was forced to wager on who is more likely to make the playoffs between the Vikings and the Bears, I would actually pick the Vikings. I think that they have turned themselves around quite a bit, and the Bears are frauds that will continue to lose. So that's how bad I think they are. There's six more wins on this Packers schedule. Yep. I mean, they should should be fine. Yep, they really should. Van Hoovelin. Did hear from Matthew Van Hoovelin, and I did. uh, That that is the correct pronunciation. All right. That's good. That's good. Recent top picks that haven't necessarily lived up to their draft status, such as Gary, Jackson, Sternberger, and Dylan. It's early, I know. Who will prove most valuable over the remainder of the season? I love this question. Gary. You think Gary? Yeah. I agree. I think Gary. Yeah, I think I think Gary. I think Gary is not terrible and he's playing with a new vim and vigor. Um, people thought that he was secretly hurt. And is now healed. They said that there's like extra pop in his game that wasn't there earlier in the season. Um, I think Gary is the heir apparent to after Preston gets cut. Yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna say Gary. I agree with that, and I do think Gary was hurt, and um, he has looked when he's been right and healthy. He's actually been quite good um, this season. So um, everybody else on that list, uh, outside chance for Sternberger, but I just don't see it on that one. And Dylan's running back, so who cares? Uh, so yeah, I think Gary's the easy choice there. He's what? What? Letter of the law, he says most valuable the rest of the season. Um, I think being Josh Jackson's probably going to be the most valuable if Kevin King can't get right. Well, that's actually got a good to point. stop committing penalties. He does. That guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's been okay. But yeah, I think I think value uh, your number two cornerback is probably more valuable than your number three outside linebacker. Yeah, fair point. 
there's at least a chance. Although he does have to be better if he's going to earn that. So. <laughs> I'm just thinking, I don't know if Kevin had, King ever comes back at this point. He'll come back. Josh Jackson's also had a few good games, so it's possible. But I'll still go with Gary. Um, like I still think he's shown the potential to be like a real good game changer when he's been right, too. And if he gets in that full-time role with Preston, he might do that. So um, I'll, I'll still go with Gary for that question. I think Sternberger is going to make a big touchdown catch. I have, a, I just have a hunch feeling. No, no analysis there. I just think he's going to have a big catch. And uh, oh, Darnell Savage might might be on this list too. <laughs> if we're talking about first round or second round, third round draft picks that haven't quite lived up to hype. Yep. And, uh, he's 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 still pretty valuable. You know, you can't really. They don't have a guy who can obviously take his place at safety right now. So uh, he's he's important too. Very true. He is. All right. Other questions from uh, this is from Assad Astra, Jerry Eldred. <laughs> Am I wrong for finding Malik Taylor interesting? He's made a couple of nice plays and at worst hasn't been a, made any embarrassing drops. Does he warrant a longer look or is he a small sample size? Fool's gold like Jarrett Boykin, Ruvel Martin, and Geronimo Allison before him. <laughs> I haven't really seen Malik Malik Taylor. I mean, he had he had one kind of direct give in this game. I, I don't know. Has uh, he made any mm- plays? I have a bad, a bad news about Malik Taylor. Yeah, what's that? Uh, Malik Taylor is a name searcher. Oh, oh no! Yes, he's not going to uh, make it to this point in the podcast, though. So if we talk bad about him, uh, no, that's fine. But um, I made a joke about Malik Taylor comparing him to Andre Rison. I said the last. I said I'm not saying you have to start Malik Taylor, but the last time the Packers started a wide receiver from Flint, Michigan, they won the Super Bowl. Um, Ooh, and and Malik Taylor liked that tweet a week and a half after I posted it. Oh no! And I did not tag him. Oh, so no. Malik Taylor you have to be aggressive with a name like Malik Taylor. I mean, Malik is a fairly you know non traditional first name, I guess. But Taylor, oh, it's hard so, to find. So he he's a name searcher. Sorry to oh, sorry to say. Well, I know that's, that's like Paul's biggest gripe. Like, <laughs> I, I don't it, I don't like it either. The, the only reason I don't like it is because I try to avoid interaction with players on Twitter because I, I criticize them a lot, and I don't want to know them for that reason. <laughs> yeah. So every once in a while, I'll get but somebody who I points. know that was always your well, that was your gripe with Mike Daniels. He was a name searcher. He was. Ty Montgomery, also a name searcher, by the way. Um, and by the way, one of, one guy I, praised, <laughs> I praised a lot, but they only find you when you're talking bad about him. Um, anyway, I'm Lily Taylor. Um they should there's not really reason to be excited about him because he's barely played but he is like a lot of the receivers that they get late slash udfa a good Raz guy fast guy um he's an eight point something on there so he's got some athletic talent and it's not like the guys in front of him are really performing so um it would be nice to see him get a little more run to see if he is any good like alan lazard kind of had himself forced onto the team last year in that comeback against Detroit by Aaron Rodgers basically insisting on it. He wasn't on their radar as, you know, being a part of the plan, a part of the game plan until people got hurt and they got desperate. And all of a sudden he's your second best receiver by a, a large amount. Um, so I, I, it's not that I don't trust their self-scouting, but we kind of know what MVS is. Darius Shepard, it just isn't very good. Um, and it would be nice to see the one other guy they have that is, you know, shaped like a normal receiver with some athletic talent. See if he can play. Um, there's there's very little downside to it, and he's caught. I didn't. He's well, I didn't realize everything. how heavy he is. He's a big dude. Yeah. He's six one two eleven. Yeah. Uh, and you were he's eight three. Eight three. Uh, so relative athletic score. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it 
it's just it seems like a missed opportunity to not give him a little more time. And I do like it when guys catch most of what's thrown to them in limited opportunities. And I hate seeing drops, and he doesn't really ever drop the ball. So um, it, there's, I would say, keep your excitement checked a little bit. But um, I, I agree with you that it's smart to clamor for him to get a little more time, especially in a game like this where they're going to win no matter what. Like I, I would. I would take this opportunity if Lazard's not playing, and he probably is, but to, to start him and uh, give give him a boost of confidence, say, hey, here's a tryout game, see what you can do with it, and see what happens. I recall Taylor did have a fourth down conversion catch in the late stages against Minnesota. I believe I he did. I'm making that up. I yeah, that's, that a, happened. That's, a, that's a big moment. Mm-hmm. Show, you know, trust from the QB to hit you in a spot like that. That's nice. Um, you know, and speaking of confidence, with MVS, they said this on the broadcast. Joe Buck said this, and I, I believe it. You know, having MVS catch two touchdowns is probably good for his confidence. It, that that does seem to yeah. be the type of thing that might be lack, lacking for him. So uh, maybe we do see a, a bit of a you know reinvigoration from MVS going forward now that he's had. You know, not, th- th- that was a good game. I, I know it, it was, wasn't. It was. You know, th- there are certainly things you can pick apart. He had a drop, bit bad drop, but you know that's a good game. You catch two touchdowns. It is, and he did the things you want him to do. He he got open deep, and he made he stretched that defense out. So, Jonathan Deal asks, I like this question a lot too. If we took the Minnesota and San Francisco games and flipped everything about them, offensive and defensive game plans, performances, stats, results, you feel better, worse, or the same about the Packers? Hmm. I think I think we probably feel a little bit better. I mean. I'm torn in this alternate this universe. I'm going to say San Francisco had more people at its disposal because <laughs> that's, uh, that's a key. You fact. shouldn't lose to that team. Yeah. Um, so I think it's it, it, so I, I like this question a lot for a lot of reasons. And one of which is I now think Minnesota is better than I thought a few weeks ago. They've put a few good performances together, including against the Packers. And so beating them is more impressive, but if you beat them, it's less impressive because you beat them and they don't look as good anymore. Um, and losing to the 49ers, um, it's not a great great thing for the Packers because they, they do get owned by Shanny once in a while. But it's also pretty excusable that they have trouble against the 49ers. Patton has trouble stopping the 49ers if they have some players there. It's kind of a loss I expect. I don't know. So it's like one of those, it's like a, the Futurama thing where you, you change the result of the race by observing it. Um, <laughs> if we're, if we're all knowledgeable, um, that was for text. If it, if we're all knowledgeable, um, I think it makes it more impressive because you beat a better team. And if you give the 49ers a few people, um, you just lost two team that kind of owns you in terms of, um, coaching and we'll probably continue to do so until that gets fixed. It's not impressive to beat that 49ers team. It's just not, but, uh, but I, I don't know. In the, you know what? In the grand scheme of things, it's probably a wash. It's probably exactly the same. It's probably no different. In the grand scheme of things, eat Arby's. Eat Arby's. Yeah. <laughs> it does soften the narrative ever so slightly about this team being incapable of winning in California, and maybe more importantly, uh, on the road. Yeah. I don't. I still don't know how to handle road versus home this year. It feels weird. But this team, this team's been pretty good on the road. So yep. you, you got to feel good about that, knowing that the playoffs are around the corner. Typically, you want to win those games in your division more so. They're more meaningful, especially for tiebreaker purposes. That's true. Given that the Packers are probably going to win the North going away here, I don't think the tiebreakers is important. Probably more important will be having a win against a team like San Francisco, which, assuming they, I mean, they should still finish around 500. That that'd be probably a quality win at the end of the day. Uh, you know, a common opponent for 
teams like Seattle that they're going to be that they're going to be competing with at the end of the year, possibly for tiebreaker situations. You're going to want that W on your resume. So, yeah. uh, so you know, the I I think the way that it worked out is probably like you said, it's probably a wash. It's probably fine. The way I think of it right now, it feels like they probably got the better end of it, but but that could all change if the Packers drop a couple games and the, the Bears wind up getting back into the division chase. Yeah, that Vikings game was so weird, too, with the wind screwing them up. And I, yeah. I don't know. There are no lessons. I, I agree that Eda Darby's is the correct answer. <laughs> yeah. All right. The uh, Packers, good. They're good. They're good. They're good. They're really good. Their offense is good. Um, their defense has problems, but it, it does a few things well. That. That's enough to make you good. So they're a legit contender. I, I I mapped out like their playoff teams, potential playoff teams the other day, and there's a path there for them, even with all the patent problems. Like if they run into Seattle, they'll annihilate Seattle. Um, that's just not a problem for them at all. If the Bears eke in and they run into them, I, even though the Bears I think have a decent plan to shut them down, it doesn't matter because that offense is such a train wreck. So that doesn't matter. Um, there are obviously teams that can trip them up. Arizona has a pretty good defense. The Rams have a pretty good defense and a decent offense. Um, so, so yeah, the, the, there's, it's not that they're a perfect team that, that will just blow the water, you know, blow the rest of the NFC out of the water. They won't, but they do enough well that they're a legit contender. Uh, if they made the Super Bowl, nobody should be surprised. I would, I for one will be surprised if they make the Super Bowl <laughs> and and delighted. I mean that would that would be a heck of an accomplishment. Well, it won't be 2020 anymore. Two. It'll be 2021. So good things are Thank allowed to happen. God, yes. Let's get out of this year, please, please. Oh, man, what a start that would be for Matt Lafleur, uh, NFC Championship game, <laughs> Super Bowl. That would be incredible. It would. It's. Uh, I I I think there's a. I get a good feeling about him actually. Um, I. I think that they might pull this off, so I'm 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 cautiously optimistic. Wow. Well, it, what? It, it's I'm I guess I'd, I'm more worried about whatever potential Super Bowl opponent is there, like Kansas City. Obviously, very difficult to beat. <laughs> um, AFC has a lot of bad matchups for them, but the NFC, um, th- there's not a ton. Like yeah, the, you don't want to play the Bucks again, really, but. Um, I I do kind of wonder how adding Antonio Brown to that team is going to have impact them more mentally than anything else. I I know that blaming that for that debacle they played against the Saints is probably over the top, but uh, that's also the risk you make in adding a guy like that is, um, especially when you. So this is all speculation. Just real quick, stupid speculation on my part. Um, you know, Tom Brady not a not a good dude, kind of a jerk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, has has weird politics and weird... I'm going to speculate that we... Tom Brady is awful. Well, that's not speculation. <laughs> I think that's known fact. The speculation is he's always gone to bat for Antonio Brown, and I think if they're not friends, they're kind of like have an understanding. Um, he's wanted him on his team for a while, and I could definitely see there being uh, there could be the development of a Tom Brady and Antonio Brown versus the other good receivers that you already had on the team, locker room wise. Are you um, thinking so? It's like an Eagles Donovan McNabb situation. Kinda, yeah. Um, because like, Brady has not been good for Mike Evans. Like he, he, you know, was basically Calvin Johnson for the last few years, catching tons of deep balls, being a big force around the end zone. He's just not been that with Brady as opposed to Winston. Uh, and uh, Godwin's been hurt a lot. And the guy that's benefited is like Scotty Miller, who's a little tiny white guy, like the Patriots always throw to a whole bunch. Um, I, I could see that the receiving room not being thrilled with the way that this has turned and 
they played like it against the Saints. That game was weird and, and strange and um, you know not like the rest of the season for the Buccaneers in Brown's first game playing for them. So um, uh, like chemistry is a thing. It's a real thing. You can't, when you're on the outside like we are, you can't know all this stuff. So this speculation is stupid. But we do know Antonio Brown is a crazy person. And we do know that Tom Brady, kind of a brusque guy. And if this caused chemistry problems for them it wouldn't be surprising because when you add a personality like brown to your locker room that kind of thing happens sometimes that's why he was available because other teams didn't want this nonsense so um don't want to play tampa bay again their defense is good but i don't think they're as good as they were before because i think they shouldn't have done that anyway okay (laughs) i am one of those guys that will be you know if they make the Super Bowl, I'll be really impressed and feel like it's a massive success. And I grant, I realize the vast majority of people are not in that line of thinking. But, you know, they got a Super Bowl within the last decade to go back. I feel like at that point it's a toss-up whether they win or lose. And I'm just not going to – I would not personally be super down if they lose that game. Um, I remember going into 2010, I wasn't super down. Even though I had no idea what was going to happen in that game, I felt like it was basically a, a pick em yep. between them and Pittsburgh. So, uh, and uh, – Obviously, uh, obviously, it works out, you know, mm-hmm. to the Packers' favor. But like, you know, just getting there is a, so it would be such an accomplishment. Oh yeah, I'll take, I'll totally take getting there every day of the week, and it is a toss-up in the Super Bowl. And you know, you get these these '80s matchups where without uh, before free agency, when one team just dominated another team, that doesn't really happen that much anymore. They're usually right. pretty close, and they're usually kind of toss-ups. Yeah, the San Francisco versus San Diego's of the world, or <laughs> you know, when, when it was going to be Dallas or San Francisco, like which which AFC team is going to be the sacrificial yep. lamb? You know, exactly. All right, shall we? Shall we guys, get on? Out of and here? on that bombshell, yeah. All right. <laughs> guys, uh, guys, got any plugs? Jared got got anything good outside of the standard oh, 2010 well, review? Yeah, well, what, what, Dallas, the Dallas game posted this week, 45-7. to 7, Packers crushed it going into the bye. What a shame, Dallas, <laughs> coming into Lambeau and getting crushed. Always, uh, You always hate to see it. Uh, Badger game this Saturday. Uh, after a couple weeks off here with the with the COVID-19 situation, it does look like we're going to have some football against Michigan in prime time. So uh, check out the live blog we'll be doing, nice. uh, ho- hopefully. Uh, I'll be doing some updates for from that game. I am very much looking forward to seeing Badger football back on the field. No idea who's going to be available, who's <laughs> going to suit up. It's the craziest <laughs> mystery. You know, just no clue what team is going to be there. Yeah. That's that's weird, but uh, that's that's what we're facing. Uh, a new podcast that I just posted today with Tom Hodricourt, Milwaukee Brewers beat reporter. We just discussed for a half hour Devin Williams winning the, uh, the 20, uh, 2020 Rookie of the Year in the National League. Very big deal. A very cool thing uh, this season. Take it, You can take it for what it is. It's, it's a disastrous, weird mess. And <laughs> these, these awards will always be given a little bit of an a- asterisk, but uh, but it doesn't matter. It's still cool. And yep. uh, I'm glad he won it. About that. He, he really deserved it. And baseball has just come such a long way on recognizing relievers without like big save stats. Totally agree. Um, and, totally and- agree. I don't think if this season is longer than 60 games that he gets it. I really don't. But, but that is also true that uh, players like Williams who aren't necess- aren't racking up those stats, those wins or saves that everyone is focused on. You know, that's it's not the way it is anymore, and that's cool. And I mean, he was he was pretty special. He was he was of the rookies. He had done the most special. Now you can argue the sample was too small to really 
judge that, but uh, but he was he was really off the charts. His stats are also this back end stats, some of the most dominating you'll ever see from a relief pitcher, and also really a social media triumph. Like pitching ninja just made that yes. guy a phenomenon. N- named his pitch, it's the Airbender, I think, forever and ever from this point on. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, good good win from Devin. The, the, really, the bright spot of the Brewer season. All right, Matt, you got anything? Yeah. He's also awesome. He is, he's just an awesome dude, so that's so kind of cool. cool too. Yep. Matt, anything from you? What do you got, baby? Uh, if you made it to this point in the podcast, <laughs> send me your favorite nihilist Arby's tweet. <laughs> That's what Matt has. They, going did, on. they did one on nine eleven, and they did one on nine eleven that I I will not repeat. Oh, it was a problem, Jesus. and I audibly gasped when I read it. I remember reading it like, oh, no, <laughs> just no. What are you doing? I believe my actual response was, "You guys, no, <laughs> don't do it." Yep. Anyway. So, so that's my Matt's, least favorite. That's collecting Nihilist Darby's tweets. Um, I, I, <laughs> I, I I have a piece going up on Jake Luton on Acme Packing Company um, shortly, and a sh- my Shepherd column. I'll preview the game later. Um, also, f- for uh, for Patreon subscribers, if you made it this far, I'll talk more about this later. But I got bobbleheads for free for some reason, um, and I'm going to give them away. To <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I got I got Aaron Rodgers, I got a Giannis, and I got a I got a Yelich. So. Um, sometime the, the best part is is the video where Paul's just I like aimlessly again. looking at a bunch of bobbleheads. No, you're just looking at it. You're going like like it's like you've never seen a bobblehead before. Like I got these these things here. So <laughs> since, since I started doing this and writing and stuff, like every once in a while I get swag randomly sent to me for no good reason at all because I have no pull or influence or anything. Um, but uh, might as well put it to good use. So I, I got uh. Bobbleheads for each of the team's MVPs, and sometime at a later date that I will set in the middle of December, we'll give those away to Patreon subscribers at the five dollar le- level or, or more. So, um, just uh, keep that in mind. I'll put pictures up. We'll talk about that later. Um, anyway, that's all we got. So, um, enjoy the Jacksonville game. Should be a good stomping as per usual. Look forward to the indie game where we'll learn a lot more. Have a good weekend. Thank you.